0: Nick Hales the of the Rescue Squad and and Johnson McJohnson. i here to make you laugh, challenge
1: your mind, and help you build a foundation. This is the dynasty bowl, presented by the Diary of seat for.
0: Somebody,
2: there ain't nobody. <laughs> boy. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick. Hail to the Redskins Wagner. Nick, what's up, buddy?
0: Oh, not much, Josh. Uh, are you guys over there on the mainland switching over to daylight savings time anytime soon? These seven thirty a.m. podcasts and seven a.m. kickoffs for the <laughs> NFL Sunday—it's <laughs> killing me. All right. <laughs>
2: um, yes, for those of you in the big on the Big Island, uh, that's got to be coming up soon. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll know, know know about it like the day before, and I'll be like, "Crap!" But at least this one is fall behind, so I, I, I gain an hour. So, yeah, that's, that one's nice. Like, uh, you know, and I'm old enough to now know now when you gain an hour to actually enjoy that extra hour of sleep, you know, when I was younger, you would go out and stay out to the bar an hour longer. But now, now I, I realize, you know, with children, it's, it's good to gain an hour of sleep every now and then, especially for the kids too. So, um, but anyway, in case you've never heard this podcast before, me and Nick, just a couple of metal heads talking fantasy football. That's pretty much what it boils down to, uh specializing in dynasty uh like i said this is the dynasty pulse podcast uh, we're brought to you by the dynasty football warehouse uh we have one of our idp veterans stopping by today named jay liston i hope i'm saying his last name right maybe it's Liston, but i will quit pronouncing it until we get confirmation from him he'll be stopping by in about 13 minutes as i've already rambled on a couple minutes uh but besides that we have an incredible show for you planned as well uh Get into some week six action here in a second. Uh, talk about some guys uh, on the hype train. Uh, talk about uh, if you're in a two quarterback league, we're going to maybe figure out what's going on with the Mettenberger and Landry Jones situation. Um, maybe talk about somebody who's droppable. Uh, Jay's going to give us some IDP sleepers for the rest of the year. That should be interesting. Uh, we we'll do some IDP sit and start with Jay, some dynasty trade analysis. Uh, I have a dynasty depth charger this week, uh, some more sit and starts. A fabulous dynasty dilemma as we pit two second year quarterbacks against each other. Uh, excuse me, and Blake Bortles and Derek Carr. And then, of course, Mr. Chuck, but I think he's going to be stopping by to do some ATS picks. Uh, next week, we have Scott Gimple from Fantasy data.com um in case you were not familiar with that it's uh, it's it's uh it's basically like a premium stat site i don't want to say it's similar to anything because it's it's not it's it's really different it's on its own entity they have uh given granted some of uh some of the idp writers here access to their website for uh this season so of course i have said to you, well then for doing such a great thing for us you're going to got to come on the podcast and uh uh, promote it some more. Tell it, so we're gonna hear all about that next week. And uh, if you haven't checked out that site, you can, you can get on there. There's kind of a commercial about what they do, and you can also do a free trial. So it's it's really great. And if you if you run a website or you're trying to start one, it's it's a great tool that they can that they will help you enhance your website. So uh, make sure you check Scott out next week. We're looking forward to that. So, uh, but like I said, is gonna be joining us here in about 11 minutes now. Uh, but we have some few things to get into. Oh, and Nick's going to rant, by the way, so that should be good. Um, week six action, Nick. What, what do you think? What Any thoughts, anything that stick out to you?
0: Well, I think we could do a whole show just on the Green Bay-San Diego game. You look at the Packers' side of the ball, James Starks, 10 carries for 112 yards, whereas Eddie Lacy, only four carries for three yards. Kind of looks like it's trending in a running back by committee situation there, and Starks' favor for the short term anyway. Uh, and then you look at the receiving core, zero Packers with uh, three receptions in that game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers just spread the ball all over the field. Uh, Phillip Rivers with 503 yards. He nearly doubled Aaron Rodgers' this 250. 255 yards. Antonio Gates, 9 catches for 95 yards in his second game back. Keenan Allen, 14 catches for 157 yards and then got hurt early in the third quarter. Imagine if he had played the whole game. Uh, moving on to some other action. Uh, those who thought Shan, uh, Sharkandrick West would be the would save their fantasy team, they want to think again. 39 total yards. Kansas City only 51 yards in the first half against Minnesota. Andy Dalton uh, this week was under 300 yards, but still had three touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, Denver adjusted their running back workload finally. Uh, Hillman 20 carries for 111 yards, whereas C.J. Anderson only 13 carries for 41 yards. And finally, it's nice to see the national media finally is aware of how bad Kirk Cousins really is. I've been trying to say this for a while, but, you know, it was windy in the game on Sunday. It's funny how the head coach Gruden last year took every opportunity to throw the quarterback Kirk under the bus, while uh, this season he pretty much bends over backwards to defend his guy, uh, Kirk Cousins. Uh, what do you think Take away from this Sunday, Josh? Uh, uh,
2: well, a couple side notes from what you said. Um, I'm going to write up There's some more coming up about it on the question and answer this weekend. Uh but uh Denzel Perryman started in place of Mante Ateo in that San Diego Green Bay game. And he didn't they didn't lose the fumble, but he absolutely flattened the massive Eddie Lacy and forced the fumble. Also played an incredibly great great game there. Excuse me, I met a middle linebacker for San Diego. So uh you know, if you didn't buy low on him a couple of weeks ago, the price maybe went up a little bit. But he still isn't locked in as a starter once Teo comes back. So if you need somebody for the future, he's he's certainly somebody to consider. Uh, he's he's five eleven, which people don't people always quick to point out that he's, that's going to that's gonna hinder his value. But I, if if you saw that hit at all, I think you'll have no no doubt in the fact that he can get the job done in the NFL. I know it's just one play, but. Uh, he he looked pretty darn good. Um, courtesy of Daniel Jeremiah. Speaking of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, you, you know we we need to, we need to maybe figure out a blueprint how to beat some of these undefeated teams, Nick. But uh, the Buffalo Bills, you know, I don't care about quarterback hurries. The Buffalo Bills had one QB hit in that game. Uh, Mario Williams continued to drop into pass coverage instead of rushing the rushing the quarterback. I mean, you want to. Beat a team, you get after the quarterback, and even if it's not sacks, if you're hitting him multiple times, that's gonna that's gonna wear him down towards the course. Of the day. I'm not calling for anybody to injure my boy the Red Rifle, but if you want to beat this team, you need to hit him, you need to blitz him, you need to do whatever you need to do uh, to get that quarterback off his game. Uh, so yeah, that's a couple a couple things that I took away. Yeah, we'll get into Shik- Shikandrick West, Shark. Chandrick West, however you say that name. We'll get to him a little bit later as we do some dynasty trade analysis. That We have a trade that happened before what, ha- what they did uh, last week. So that's, that'll be interesting to see how maybe values have changed since. I know it's just a one-game thing, but uh, we'll get into some more of that later. Um, Nick, what about, uh, we've been hearing it for two weeks now. Are you boarding the Christian Michael Hype train, in Dallas?
0: Well, I'm not going to break the bank to get him. I think it's going to be another one of those running back by committee situations, probably led by him with McFadden playing the passing downs, but Joseph Randall's still around there. So it wouldn't surprise me if these three guys all pretty much canceled each other out and made them all virtually unusable, at least in standard leagues. Maybe McFadden in the PPR league if he's going to be the passing down guy. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's worth putting a putting – a, claim out on uh, Christian Michael, but I wouldn't, like, use half of my budget or anything if it's one of those type of leagues.
2: Yeah. What do you think with, um... Since they're both kind of messy situations right now, would you... Would you rather have Christian Michael or would you rather have David Cobb, the rookie who's scheduled to be back? I think uh, November 3rd is the one he is eligible. You know, they haven't got a lot of consistent production out of the running backs in Tennessee either. Uh, he seems to be their best interior run option. What, what, what do you think about those two versus each other right now? I mean, obviously there's some better dynasty implications with Cobb, but, you know, just maybe just for this year, if you needed the running back, what, what do you think about Cobb versus Christian Michael?
0: I think I would probably take a flyer on Cobb just because I believe that uh, the two Dallas running backs that are already in place, Joseph Randall and Darren McFadden are probably better options than anybody that they have in Tennessee. So just less competition for carries I would, I would guess in Tennessee. So I would take Cobb. Oh yes. The Bishop Sankey
2: McCluster. Um, Uh, I refrain from swearing there. Uh, okay, let's get into some interesting situations. If you're in a two quarterback league here, this might be uh, your two QB vulture report. But uh, are we more likely to claim Zach Mettenberger or Landry Jones? Uh, if you're a two quarterback league and both your quarterbacks are in a buy, or one of your quarterbacks is on a buy, this might this might intrigue you. But what do you think about um, these two? It seems they're both going to be starting at this. Point. As far as we know, what do you think?
0: I think I would probably go after Mettenberger. Uh, one, he's more experienced than Landry Jones, and two, I expect Mettenberger to play longer. Uh, I think ben, uh, ben Roethlisberger probably sits this week at Kansas City. I mean, they could pretty they could start Michael Vick, even a hobbled Michael Vick, at quarterback, and be. Kansas City, but I think he'll be back next week for the big division game against Cincinnati, so that means that Landry Jones is only going to be able to start one week, whereas Mettenberger, I think, will start closer to a month, so if you only need a one-week plug, then I think Landry Jones is probably better just because he's got better weapons around him, but anything more than that, I would go with Zach Mettenberger. Yeah,
2: I, I do like the weapons in Pittsburgh, obviously. I mean, like I said a couple weeks ago about Michael Beck, how hard can it be to just get the ball to Antonio Brown downfield? But um, uh, are you hearing a month on Mariota?
0: Well, they say the typical uh, recovery time for a grade two MCL sprain is four to six weeks. So, okay.
2: All right. Well, I guess we'll get into a little bit more of that uh, later in your rant. But uh, that, uh, yeah, that's, that's a a good point and a good thing to know for you uh you're uh two quarterback crazies out there so uh even QB flex guys which should pay, pay attention to that situation especially um but uh yeah Landry Jones might be a decent plug and play this week if if, if you need to do so um oh what do we think about CJ Anderson Nick I mean redraft you got you got to consider him almost droppable at this point right <clears throat> excuse me
0: yeah, I think so. I mean, under three yards per carry this year, he's got zero touchdowns, no games with 50 yards rushing, and Denver finally gave Ronnie Hillman a heavier workload. Yeah, I mean, he's probably rosterable, you know, especially as like a Hillman handcuff. But if you need the roster spot, he's also cuttable. I now, now that Hillman is the lead back, the one uh, place where Anderson could provide value is maybe becoming a touchdown vulture type of running back. But yeah, I mean, if you need the roster space, I wouldn't hesitate to release him
2: uh yeah and you know if if you're counting on the touchdown vulture thing they i think they have a a bigger option that they you know even they would probably prefer to keep anderson healthy you know if he still has some lingering injuries they still have Juwan thompson on the roster who's who's certainly a great uh great up the gut type of runner that i would i would think they would maybe lean towards him as opposed to anderson that's just you know um my opinion but uh, i mean because anderson's already had health issues this year i wouldn't be surprised if that is if that is the case um one question in the q and a that's coming up this weekend nick and i wanted to throw it at you and i wanted just i wanted you not to be prepared for it well i guess i did just read it last night but uh um but i didn't want to i didn't want to put too much on your plate but anyway through 6 weeks is there a drafted player or or rookie that you have just been extremely disappointed by in any of your leagues. Uh,
0: Nelson Aguilar, that would be the one guy that I really. I, he was my pick for rookie of the year, and him and along with that whole Eagles offense really has just completely struggled to come out the gates this year. Uh,
2: yeah, I had a lot. A lot invested in that uh, game on Monday night did not go the way I had planned, but uh is there any like a maybe a, a veteran out there in a startup that you really were hoping hoping something out of?
0: Um probably Marcus Colston in uh, New Orleans. I thought he would have a, a decent season anyway, but he didn't produce much and now he's injured so he's pretty much uh pretty much cuttable at this point.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and you know, at least with uh Colston, you know, the, you probably got a decent value on him as opposed to uh, a guy like Aguilar who was, you know, a, a mid-first rounder in a lot of rookie drafts. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I that question struck a chord with me, and I think I basically gave myself my own counseling section session on uh, Charles Johnson of the Vikings. So, uh, look forward to reading that on Saturday if you're an angry <laughs> Charles Johnson owner. Uh and uh yeah, sorry you missed on Stefan Diggs. Sorry to my to myself and uh everybody else that did. Jay's gonna be joining us here um in just a couple minutes. So uh uh yeah, uh, I do wanna give uh Jay uh Jeff Katz credit for the uh, give it coming up with that question. He's the guy that uh runs the Q and A for us and that runs uh every Saturday as you get to hear Opinions from a lot of fellows, you know, Burgundy's in there, Bill Servey's in there, Brian Hawkes, Mike Craftic, uh, Gianni um, Manani. I can't remember how to say his last name. excuse me very much. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a great uh, a great article. And like I said before, it's I'm obviously more into it than some because I'm a part of it. But it's it's fun to you know read the question. You know maybe. Maybe just read the question and don't read our answers first, and kind of think what, find out what you think, and then, um, and then you can read. You know, it's kind of kind of fun to come up with your own answers if you want to take uh, that approach to it before you uh, before you actually read it. Um, uh, we got Mr. J on the line here for you. One second, uh, Jay, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Alright, how's it going today, Jay?
1: Doing right, how you guys doing?
2: Good. One thing I forgot to ask you, Jay. Could you correctly pronounce your last name so I don't uh uh butcher it with you listening? Yes. Lyson. Liston. hmm Did I say that earlier, Nick? I might have been close. Okay. Jay Lyston. Um, Mm -hmm. Jay, I don't know too much about you, but I know you, I've probably been on staff longer than me here at DFW. So why don't you just tell us a a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with, uh, DFW.
1: Uh, well, I started playing fantasy about 15 years ago and, uh, I guess maybe seven or eight years ago, I started playing, um, PPR with, uh, J sports and, uh, He started introducing me to a bunch of different variations on how to play and uh, got into some IDP stuff and really got into that because of just enjoy watching line play a lot more and uh, how the players interact in terms of uh, wide receivers versus uh, cornerbacks and seeing different advantages where guys can uh, get extra points on the defensive side.
2: Uh, Yeah, and when you look at... um you know, Jay is also a member of uh, uh, the the 16 team league that we talk about a lot in the podcast. He's also a member of DFW yeah.
0: 36, which a lot of we
2: trades that we break down there. And those are full IDP leagues. So, I mean, if you have a a solid defense that can make up for a lot of offensive woes, I mean, you could you could win a lot of games with you know basically kind of a, a you know a third tier quarterback if you're if you have the right.
1: Uh, pieces in place there in a full IDP, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like when you're playing an IDP league, you're normally going to have a weakness somewhere. Um, So you can kind of watch for your strengths on the defensive side and make up for a bad running back play, too, uh, which is what I usually do.
2: (laughs) And the thing I like about those fall IDP leagues is there's always generally comparable options available in the waiver wire each week. You don't you don't see that in the other positions where people load up in wide receivers and running backs. And I don't, you know, disagree with with doing that. I mean, if you get your hands on value, it's nice to certainly have some depth there. Um, yeah. So Jay, uh, you kind of one of the IDP veterans on on staff, and uh, obviously having uh, Mister. Sean Kirby running the show, probably I would imagine it helps you because it certainly it helped me a whole lot and it opened my eyes to a lot of things, but, uh, we asked you to come mm-hmm. up
1: with some, uh, sleepers for the rest of the season. What, what do you got for? Yeah, uh, right now I'm looking at Josh Bynes with DeAndre Levy being out. Um, you know, last week he got eight solos and three assists on 80 snaps, which is pretty good. Um, uh, Shaq Barrett with injuries and in to the Broncos is also looking good. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out with the injuries they currently have though. And Jordan Hicks was really good the first two weeks. Um, Seem to have a low week five, but, uh, got back on track in week six. So if he's available, he's a really good option right now. Okay.
2: Um, any, any D linemen that you see or maybe been surprised by this year?
1: Um, I think Leonard Williams has done better than I expected early on, but that kind of helped with the uh, shoulder Richardson having the suspension. Um, other than that, I don't have any off the top of my head. Um, defensive tackle's been all over the place um it seems like this hasn't been a bad year to just rotate guys off the waiver wire at so. yeah, and yeah there's been a handful of
2: guys last week or that, that come out of nowhere last week we talked about uh jay howard i think jordan hill <laughs> he though he's hurt right now he's kind of grown up there in a hurry but uh, uh nick any questions there for jay about some of the guys that he's mentioned already
0: uh, I got a question in general. Um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, we've seen guys have big games against their old teams. Torrey Smith with the big game last week against the Ravens. Uh, Andre Johnson having a big game against uh, his old team, the Houston Texans. Do we see that in IDP with on uh, defensive players, or is it just way easier for offensive coaches to scheme a game plan to where they feed a receiver the ball? Yeah, I think it's a little easier on the offensive side, but uh, you definitely see uh, revenge games from time to
1: time on defense. Particularly, uh, I think it's safety, uh, just because they've got the tendencies down for some of the wide receivers, so they may know what a guy's route depth is, and uh, can break on the ball a little better, maybe.
2: Yeah, most definitely. I think we're going to see uh, we'll see a little bit of that this week as uh, Revis Island takes on his uh, his. Uh, <laughs> New, former New England Patriots. That, that'll be uh, an interesting matchup and seeing who he's... Uh, I would imagine he's going to be locked on. Edelman, which is hopefully good news for Gronk owners. But uh, well, I guess we'll see. Um, Jay, I wanted to get to some... Uh, you also... Excuse me. You also, I forgot to mention, you also read the IDP sit and start, which is which is really good. And uh, I, I love the fact that you kind of created your scoring system for that. And um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: one thing that you don't see in sentence times is you, you have a recap, like this is how we did last week. And this is, you know, this is what we're saying this week. And, and I love that it kind of ties into your scoring. system. maybe, can you maybe tell us a little bit about that and how, how you came up with that and may, maybe just how you kind of come up with the matchups in the first place?
1: Yeah. Um, generally for the scoring system, I'm using, uh, uh, what we call the big boys league. It's an IDP league. It's a 16 team league. It's been together for about six years. Um, And it's my toughest league by far. The group of guys that are in there are just really intense and they really know their stuff. Um, You almost never find a good waiver wire pickup, especially uh, a linebacker there. Uh, So what I do is I use our scoring system there, which is a fairly standard scoring system. A little heavy on tackles, but uh, pretty basic. And then if there's an injury to a player during a start set that I've called, usually I'll negate that line, especially if it's an early injury. It's different if it's in the fourth quarter and they pretty much played the whole game. But so far, I've tried to use that to balance out the the scoring so it's not like I'm plus 20 because a guy went out in the first quarter. I don't really think that's a fair uh, estimation of how the game would have gone. Um, And then usually, I'm trying to find, in terms of the matchups, either a guy who's a big name that's normally a, a a low one, a low linebacker one, like uh, Keekley or somebody like that, or uh, I've used uh, Jimmy Collins a couple of times. I've gotten fairly lucky on that one. Um, and I'll play them against a linebacker three, who I think has a lot better option that week, uh, and usually try and describe what I think the scoring is going to be that week to show why I think they're going to play out a little better. Um, at cornerback, I have a tendency to use a lot of rookies, uh, especially if they're going up against a very savvy quarterback. It hasn't been as great against Peyton Bannon this year. As it might normally be because he's <laughs> notoriously pretty brutal on the quarterback. But um, you've seen guys like Marcus Peters come up and like I same now yeah. in Buffalo. Uh, anyway, um, oh, a couple of guys. yeah, Jesus, I can't think. Darby, <laughs> Darby. Darby, sorry, Darby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's been great this year, and he, he's a player who's improving every week. You see, uh, same with Peters. Um, so those guys get targeted a lot because the are guy on the opposite side. Like uh, Stevon Gilmore is really solid. Um, so you have to go somewhere on the field, and a savvy quarterback is going to target the rookie uh, just because they may not be prepared uh, in the same way a veteran might be.
2: Okay.
0: Um, Nick, any questions there? Uh, yeah, I was wondering uh, about Marcus Peters, the guy you mentioned. What do you think his long-term value is? Do you think he's actually going to get worse as an IDP player go, uh, moving forward just because he's going to become more of a solid NFL player?
1: Yeah, I definitely think
0: um, he's going to
1: downgrade over the course of the next two to three years. So, I think he's going to be solid for sure next year. Um We'll kind of see how the rest of the team builds around him. Um, but, but I do like his options. And Ronald Darby, I think, will be good for a long time, because Stephon Gilman has already come on really strong. So people are having to play away from him a bit. Okay. Well,
2: I think we'll just get into some sit-em and start-em, since we're kind of in the uh, corner cornerback realm. Um we have a couple of maybe decent veteran corners here and this actually maybe will tie in a little bit to our dynasty dilemma later on as we pit Bortles versus Carr. But Jay, what do we think about Stefan Gilmore versus the Jags in London? Or uh Brandon Flowers versus the Raiders? So probably like, you know, Alan Robinson and uh
1: Marty Cooper type of thing. What what do, you, what do you think about those two matchups? Um, actually I'm not really excited about the uh, Stefan Gilmore matchup in London. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a great game. Usually those early games are kind of slow. Um, and the Jags aren't the best team in terms of cornerback uh, play again. And with the Flowers, I think he's going to be on the rebound uh, this week playing against the Raiders. Uh, just going to have a lot more opportunities with Derek Carr starting to air it out a bit. And... Uh, with their running back play, it's been a little slow. So I think they're going to see a lot more uh, play on the outside. Yeah, it's
2: it's a, kind of an interesting matchup. Um, I say that word way too much. But uh, <laughs> obviously there's Hearns and Robinson for Gilmore to maybe match up with. <laughs> and um, But I do feel like uh, Bortles is maybe – a little more reckless with the ball, and uh, you can tell. I'll be defending Derek Carr later, but uh, <laughs> and I think I think Carr is, is, you know, people want to downgrade Carr as, oh, he can't throw the ball down the field. I just don't think. I just think he's a lot smarter than we want to give him credit for. And I think where Bortles is maybe outproducing him stat wise. I think he's certainly there's certainly more opportunity for Gilmore because I think Bortles is going to be airing it out a little bit more um so i i would maybe maybe look at gilmore as opposed to uh, flowers cuz and i'm not saying that just cuz i'm a raiders fan i just feel like cooper has made some some veteran cornerbacks uh look look bad on a few plays so i, I think uh, i think he'll maybe get a little bit of a an edge but uh and i think both of these teams will probably be playing from behind so they're going to see you know the bills defense and the raiders defense excuse me, uh, the San Diego defense on the on the field. So uh, what, what do you think, Nick?
0: Uh, I have to side with Jay on this one. You know, Buffalo just isn't not a team that blows out their opponents, but San Diego, I think, has a chance to jump out to an early lead versus the Raiders. So I think I would take Flowers just because I believe Oakland is going to throw uh, the ball more this week than Jacksonville will. Okay.
2: Um, and I guess that'll depend on uh, how much – snaps I give my guy, uh, Denzel Perryman, uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, Stefan Anthony at the Colts, um, sticking in the same game here, Jager J- or Jarrell J- R- Freeman, excuse me, versus the Saints. What do you think about those two linebackers?
1: Well, Stefan Anthony is leading the team in tackles and tackles for loss. And I think the Colts really want to run in this game. So I think you're more likely to see them try to slow it down a bit with the Saints and, uh, I think you're going to have a lot more chances with Stefan Anthony to rack up some points. Freeman is having a decent year as a LB three, really, and uh, he's a good candidate for uh, start sit for me on on this week. Um, I don't think he's performed as well as we would hope this year, but I think he could rebound. Uh, but I'd go with Stefan Anthony.
2: Okay. Yeah. And and I brought I bring this up because it it does, does kind of seem like Anthony is the the clear choice but um yeah I just don't know with that that offensive line in, in, in Indy I don't think I don't think they can they're not gonna be able to punish punish a team, you know, given given goal or twenty touches up the middle. I just don't I don't see that happening. Um and I and I do like Anthony's talent a little bit better than Freeman. I think where Freeman is playing maybe a little bit over his head, I think a lot of a lot of people Still are expecting more from him, and you know it's you know certainly not his fault that the Colts aren't surrounding him with better, better talent either. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I feel like this is going to be a better game than a lot of people think, and I feel like the Colts actually could be a little bit in trouble in this game. So maybe, maybe the Saints are going to have the lead, and maybe Freeman, uh, Freeman gets, uh, gets more tackles in this game. Nick, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm going with Freeman too. Uh, he had a lower floor, as evidenced by his Week Four performance against Jacksonville, where he only had one tackle. But uh, like you, Josh, I, I think New Orleans is going to run the ball more than Indianapolis does this week, and that should translate to more work for the linebackers. So I'll take Freeman. Okay,
2: I think Nick owns Freeman too, Jay. So
1: maybe that's why. <laughs> but I, I own. Uh, yeah, I own it
2: Anthony seems so like
1: the uh, uh, Jacksons really come it, on. Uh, as, a, as a monster this year. So it, you could be right. I just think it might be more likely to be Jackson. Yeah. Like went, yeah. And-
2: no, that does make, um, does make sense there, too. Uh, oh, it looks like uh, Bruce Kimbrough's IDP uh, waiver report just dropped. If you want to jump on DFW and read that after you listen to the podcast, of course. So, yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: Uh, Bruce's. Is- Bruce is Bruce is a, a madman, so that should be, that's always that's always fun to read. That it brings up so many players. Um, let's get to a couple D ends against each other. Same team: Muhammad Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson going to New England and uh, the strength killer uh, Bill Belichick. What, what do we think about this matchup, Jay? Uh,
1: I'm not excited for either player this week. Uh, New England's line is holding up pretty well. Uh, I'd probably go with Wilkerson at the end. Uh, just as he's been a part of the system for the rest of, for this whole year. And uh, Richardson's kind of coming in late. And uh, with Leonard Williams coming on strong, I think they're going to just rotate. So i go in with Wilkerson, but I'm not real happy with any of the three.
2: Uh, this, is, this is a matchup that I was kind of thinking about Sunday, actually, before the games. And I'm like, well, I'll look at it later, you know, after and see how they both did today. And they actually had, both had the exact same line. Last week, I think it was three tackles, three assists, and half a sack. So, um, Wilkerson has been a beast, though. And I do hear what you're saying. Maybe Sheldon is going to take a little more plays off to, to just to kind of stay in game shape. But I suppose the other can be said, you know, since Wilkerson certainly has more wear and tear, that maybe Sheldon gets a, a, a little bit of the edge. But um, I, think I'll, I think I'll stay with their UJ there. I think uh, Wilkerson could be could maybe, maybe the man, but... um You know, if you want to get to Brady, it certainly has to come up the middle. So maybe, you know, maybe Leonard Williams gets in, gets gets some D tackle snaps in and gets up there and gets in.
0: So, Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go with Wilkerson, too. He's got four sacks so far this year, and Richardson's only played the one game last week. Uh, And I, I would just like to see Sheldon Richardson play more than one game before I start him, especially against such a talented team like New England.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um I do I do agree with that too. Um Let's get to some safeties. Uh First of all, I got to say an incredible interception by uh, Landon Collins. I know, it was a loss, but what a what interception he pulled off on Monday night, his first career interception. Sorry, big fan of that guy. But uh, another guy that I'm a big fan of is Deion Buchanan. So we got Leonard Landon Collins versus the Cowboys, or Dan Buchanan versus the Ravens, and that is the, the Monday night game. Jay, what do you think? Um,
1: really excited about how Landon Collins has come on this year. I think he's, his growth curve has been a lot better than we expected for his first year. Um, he's second in tackles on the team behind Lunga and is becoming a great safety for the Giants. Uh, however, Buchanan is a consistent start and going against Flacco, who's been waiting on the tight end for production quite a bit. Uh, so I'm going to go with Buchanan. Okay,
2: uh, you know he is a. I do hear what you're saying, and I have both of these guys in the league, and I and I do I do lean Buchanan, but um, with with Dallas not you know firing on all cylinders offensively, I feel like there's going to be a need, or at least some some efforts for the Giants to maybe. Kind of crowd the box and really make them beat them downfield because I think well, I think the Giants, you know, realize their their strengths could be their offensive line. So I I feel like Collins could maybe maybe come up with a, a, a maybe more tackles and and possibly a, another turnover too. Uh, he he's just a really savvy player and. you're not going to find a bigger fan than me of Landon Collins and and I have certainly the league that I've owned him in I've certainly been treating him with kid gloves and not not playing him unless I absolutely have to but I feel like this this could be a a nice breakout week especially division rival and uh you know let's face it Baltimore is just not that good right now so you know. this could be another one of those games that's over by halftime, and there might not be a reason for Buchanan to step on the field in the second half. I, that might seem far-fetched, but uh, I would not be surprised if that happened, especially with you know uh, Tony Jefferson, Rashard, Rashad Johnson, and uh, uh, Honey Badger all being in that uh, secondary rotation there. So, Nick, what do you
0: think? Yeah, like, like you said, the Ravens are just bad this year. I would worry about the Baltimore going three and out a bunch. That would limit Buchanan's uh, chances. Plus, like you mentioned, there's so many talented players in that Arizona secondary. So even though Buchanan has a lot more tackles this year so far, I'm still going to go with Landon Collins. He's still growing into his role in that secondary with the Giants. And like you said, that interception was just phenomenal. The sky is the limit, I think, for this kid long term. Okay.
2: Um, moving forward here, let's get to some dynasty trade analysis. Are you okay to stick around for a little while, Jay?
1: Yes. Okay. Cool.
2: Um, very hard in this. Took took me about uh, ten to fifteen minutes. I always do it before the zero hour of the podcast, starting so over can I can finally have a music clip for dynasty trade analysis. So just sit back and enjoy,
0: and we'll get to some dynasty trade analysis. It's time for dynasty trade analysis.
1: all
2: right, all right, all right. All right, a little self-righteous but i'm pumped up after that so uh what do we think jay jimmy graham and cordero patterson is he really still a thing um jimmy graham and cordero patterson for dion lewis and eric ebron uh should preface it that this trade happened before uh before the week's games last week so jimmy graham certainly had a decent a decent game especially considering what we've seen from him
1: so far but what do you think jay Yeah, I think Jimmy Graham's improving. Um, So I'm not as scared about owning him as I used to be. I have him in a league, and I was really trying to move him early in the season and in the preseason. Uh, Cordero Patterson seems to be getting replaced by Stephon Diggs. He's doing all the things that we thought Cordero was going to do. So that's a tough call between them and Deion Lewis. Uh, Lewis has been solid, but I think New England's finally kind of predictable on their running back play. So you're starting to see... LeGarrette Blount games and Deion Lewis games. Both are productive, but uh, it's starting to be a little easier to figure out that he's not going to be an every-week RB1. And uh, Ebron's a player I like. Uh, I'm probably going to lean towards the Deion Lewis or Eric Ebron side uh, just because I think the potential in Dynasty is going to be better for Ebron than Graham long-term. I think Jimmy's probably got uh, the rest of this year to be pretty clunky. It's not going to be a very predictable start and then maybe next year they get it figured out, but who knows?
2: Yeah, I'm on the side of that that side, too. I just feel like if Cordero wasn't a first-round pick, he probably wouldn't even be on the Vikings anymore. I don't know if anybody would disagree with that statement, but, uh, yeah, and it's, Certainly getting crowded there with with uh, the emergence of Diggs, and he he seems to in my mind he seems to be the, uh, the the sixth wide receiver option there. So I think you're giving up a veteran talent in Jimmy Graham, albeit proven his his value is down, and you're getting getting two players in return and and a guy to replace him in your lineup with uh, Eric Ebron. So I I certainly like that side. Nick, what do you think?
0: Um, I'm going to go the other way. I like side to pick up Jimmy Graham. Deion Lewis, only four carries last week. It's a typical New England running back situation. You don't know who's going to perform week to week. And Eric Ebron, you know, he could have a bright future or – he couldn't. Maybe, you know, we just haven't seen it from him for sure on the field yet. Uh, Whereas Jimmy Graham, yeah, he's probably going to be inconsistent there in Seattle, but tight ends in general tend to be fairly inconsistent, other than Gronkowski, of course, so I think he's probably still the the second best tight end that you want to own. So I'm excited to the the guy Jimmy Graham.
2: Okay. Uh, Nick, let's stick with you here on this next one, since you... uh since we talked about it a little bit earlier, uh, again, this trade was made before last week and everybody spent MUKO uh, waiver dollars on char West. I think I said it right. Finally. Uh, so Char West for a 2016 first and a fourth and a 16 team league. And now I know we're all here in a 16 team league and moving a running back or wide receiver is, it's very, very tricky. Um, so uh, what do you think, Nick?
0: Uh, I think that's too much to give up for. I, I mean, everybody just assumed the West was going to step in and put up Jamal Charles-like numbers because he's playing for the Chiefs at running back, and that did not happen. Nine carries for 33 yards. Uh, giving up a first-round pick for that, you know, you, you don't know what his future's going to be like. He's probably not going to be the starter there next year, so that's way too much for me to give up.
2: Yeah, Jamal Charles is not a replaceable piece. And maybe the guy that gave up that is the Jamal Charles owner. I mean, I hope that's at least the case here. Um, but I think, uh, geez, I heard a stat last week after the the initial knee injury that Jamal Charles has the most yards per carry in NFL history. Like, he's ahead of Jim Brown. So, I mean, we're talking about a very special player, a future Hall of Famer, and it's not going to be a, you know, a, a second-year guy from Albaline Christian state or whatever it was is not is not going to jump in and replace him it's certainly certainly not right away so uh yeah you're getting a first round pick for for somebody that you grabbed on the waiver wire i i can't uh, can't disagree with that first and a fourth what do you think jay
1: yeah i definitely wouldn't have done it i was trying to pick up Kendrick West on uh, waivers this this week pretty much just to flip him um, yeah <laughs> it seems to be the the a fairly effective way to get free picks for the following year. Uh, And I'm not above trying to do that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody was trying to pick him up last week, but, uh, okay, Jay, let's stick with you here. Uh, Todd Gurley for three first round picks, all
1: 2016 picks. What do you think? Wow. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I'd probably want Gurley if I'm, I'm in a, a window where I can win, because uh, he seems to be doing exactly what we thought he was going to do. Um, if, if I know I'm rebuilding, I, I'd go with the three picks, but I think not knowing the circumstances, I'd definitely going with Gurley. Yeah, it's a hard call because I feel like if you're
2: rebuilding, you want the three picks, but if you're rebuilding, you wouldn't necessarily want to get rid of Gurley either, unless you're, right. you're really like three or four years away. Um yeah, I don't know because it's it's where the three first round picks seems so enticing. You still have to make those picks, and you still have to get value out of those picks, and you still have to. I mean, they're not going to be three one point ones, you know. The next three years, they're three picks from next year, and I right now I'm not totally excited about that um, draft class next year. I think there's some really good IDP options, but as far as you know the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and there's a couple running backs obviously that that I like, but those guys are going to go right at the top. So you need to make sure that, you know, at least one of those picks is top. But even still, I mean, I don't know if anybody's as strong about Ezekiel Elliott being as good as Todd Gurley. So you still have to make those picks and get value out of those picks. Um, So, yeah, it's a hard call. I mean, it's obviously nice to get that, back in return for a guy like Gurley because you probably took took him one point one, but uh, I think I'd probably stick with Gurley in this case. Nick, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I would have to stick with Gurley unless, like, in a complete like you guys said, a complete rebuild mode, of three four years down the down the down the road, you're looking to compete. But yeah, I mean, Gurley he is a special talent. We've seen him on the field now; he, he's elite. So yeah, I I would give up three versus one,
2: mm-hmm. and I suppose the flip of that is, you know, two weeks from now, a girl, could can hurt his knee again, you know? So, I mean, you're obviously trading high, and his, his value might not get any higher than that unless he, you know, unless he has, you know, 2,500 yards next year, obviously. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, don't think, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So um, I guess I'll start this next one here. Um, Jeremy Macklin in two. 2016 third round pick. So Jeremy Macklin in two thirds for Carlos Hyde in the 2016 fourth round pick. So here we have a running back who I think has a, a decent value right now, as opposed to a wide receiver one on a bad passing. Season. Oh, I, I I don't know. I mean, I, you're getting obviously you're if, you, if you're giving up Hyde for Macklin. Probably a need at wide receiver, and I think that's pretty decent value for both guys. I feel like it's a pretty even trade, but I think I'd probably have to uh probably have to side with with Macklin just because I think he has a brighter future, and I think um you know hyde Hyde in his running style doesn't really smell like you know five or six years of a solid veteran player to me. I do really like Hyde but I, I do worry about the, the punishment and him being the number one option in that offense in terms
1: of dynasty value. Jay, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm probably going with Hyde, but I definitely feel like his quality has diminished right now in terms of uh, the play around him. And you've got Anquan Bolden, you know, likely close to retirement on the outside. And who are they going to bring in to replace him um, to open up the field a bit for Hyde to be able to run? Uh, so, I'm probably going with Hyde, but like you said, if you're in need at, at uh, wide receiver, Macklin's not a bad call there for the trade. Nick, what do you think?
0: Uh, I'm on a side with the Hyde just because I think running back is a thinner position, so it's harder to find, whereas all we had to give up was a Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver and move down a little bit in the draft. So, yeah, I, I would go with the running back here. Okay.
2: Yeah. Like I said, fairly, fairly even there. So, uh, uh, well, Jay, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, again, I look forward to your article every week. It's always, it's always a good read. And, uh, I, like I said, I, I, nobody does, I don't think a lot of people do that. The fact that you actually report on how you did the week before that's, that takes, uh, takes some, uh, some, uh, gusto to say, Hey, this is what I did the week before. And, uh, this is how it's you know affecting me and, and the scoring thing. That's great. I love that you created the scoring thing. So that's uh it's always a good read. So Jay, thank yeah. you very much for joining us and hopefully you can come back on again. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do that. All right, cool. Take, take care Jay and have a great day.
1: All right. Take care. Bye.
2: Okay. So now another little thing that we've been playing around with since, uh, maybe the start of training camp, um, Maybe middle middle training camp. It's something that we like to call a uh, dynasty depth charger. Um, and I lost my clip here. I'll find it here. There we go. Uh, so it's my turn. Me and Nick have been alternating week to week, so it's my turn to give you a dynasty depth charger. So I'll start here. It's dynasty dynasty depth, depth charger time. Oh, I love the explosion. Uh, What do you think, Nick? That was, compared to Dynasty trade analysis clip, that was uh, echo on the depth charger as opposed to flange on the trade analysis. What do you think? Yeah, I like the reverb. I I like the (laughs) reverb
0: on the the, the trade analysis, yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. Cool.
2: Um, well, I want to talk about Robert Turbin today. Yes, we're talking about all the guys that Seattle got rid of. Um, uh, and now Fred Jackson's in a car accident, but that's a different story. Um, Turbin, obviously, crowded backfield in Cleveland with promising rookie Duke Johnson and second-year guy uh, Isaiah Crowell getting most of the this year so far. Uh, Turbin was dinged up to start the year. Um, I think he was a candidate for IR. I don't know if he actually ever went on, but, um, uh, he got, he did get 10 carries. He only, he only got 27 yards last, last week, but that was against, uh, a, a solid, solid Denver run defense. So, uh, but, uh, surprise, surprise Duke Johnson is dinged up again. And, uh, Crowell hasn't been necessarily overly effective. So, uh, Turban certainly has an opportunity um and uh veteran tenure if you will to uh to get some uh work there in Cleveland. Uh he does average 4.6 yards per carry throughout his career albeit limited action. So uh uh a lot of people are pretty quick to dismiss uh some veteran players who who maybe have never broken out, you know. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Justin Forsett because Again, it is Cleveland, uh, but uh, Josh McCown has been throwing the ball very effectively. So there's certainly uh, options in that receiving game to, uh, you know, not necessarily great fantasy options, but he's been spreading the ball to some great things. So there's certainly options to uh, to get uh, uh, Turbin a little room to uh, maneuver there, so to speak. So uh, uh, think about it, Robert Turbin, probably available, maybe not in deeper potential deep deep, leagues, but he's certainly a guy that you could. Look for and redraft that might give you a nice little boost there. So let's get to some sit 'em and stardom, Nick. Um, Carson Palmer versus the Ravens or Eli Manning versus the Cowboys. What do you think?
0: Well, I do think that Eli bounces back after a rough week last week, but I just can't sit cards from Palmer right now. 420 yards last week, and he's playing a Ravens defense. He gave up 340 yards to Colin Kaepernick. I mean, the Ravens are just terrible, so I have to go across from Palmer. Um, as an
2: Eli owner, I can tell you I am very concerned about him going against Greg Hardy, Demarcus Lawrence, and possibly Randy Gregory. So, I I'm gonna stay I'm gonna stay on your side there with, with the Ravens. I do feel like it couldn't get much worse, and Eli's apparently been ultra terrible in Philadelphia in his career, which I wish somebody would tell me that last week. But uh, uh, so I got yeah I got to go with Palmer there, especially since this this game could be ugly and he might put up more points in the first half than Eli will the whole game. So I I I uh, I'm gonna go. Palmer there as well. Nick, um, Arian Foster or excuse me, Arian Foster at Miami or Lamar Miller versus the Texans. a Texas couple of running backs in the same game.
0: Uh, I think Miami interim head coach Dan Campbell knows he has to feed Miller if he wants to win. Uh, Miller got 19 carries for 113 yards and a touchdown last week. Whereas you look at Arian Foster, only 53 yards on 18 carries, and that's against Jacksonville. The Foster just doesn't look like he's 100 percent yet. So I'm going to have to go with Miller. Okay. Um.
2: Yeah, you know, this is, a, if we were making this decision before the game last week, I think it would have been a little more of a hazy situation, but after we saw them put trust in Lamar Miller, and obviously rightfully so, if they want to, you know, somewhat keep this thing afloat, I don't think they're necessarily a playoff team, but I think they were smart by giving him giving him the rock and letting him letting him do damage and they do have some receiver talent on this team to to fall back on if if needed and they got a little trickery out of Jarvis Landry and stuff like that so I I feel like you know Dan Campbell's got the interim head coach job what what does he have to lose he might as well just try and win games because even if it doesn't mean a head coaching job for him it's certainly going to look good for him and his future so uh yeah they're gonna lean on miller even though they're playing against a fairly solid defense but i feel like that defense has been somewhat of a disappointment this year so uh i think it's going to be a miller first for this team and uh i don't know if the same can be said for foster and there's always that chance uh like chuck always says they could have a soft tissue issue Soft tissue issue, did I just say <laughs> that? Uh, soft tissue issue. Um, hashtag soft tissue issue. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll stick with Miller. Chris Irie at New England. Again, Bill Billingsack likes to take away the strength of people. Or Latavius Murray versus San Diego when they're ailing defensive front, besides
0: Denzel Pyramid, of course. Nick, what do you think? Well, I don't love either one of these guys, but I think as long as Chris Ivory is healthy, I'd continue to roll him out. And even if the team falls behind, as both these teams may fall behind this week, I think Ivory can contribute in the passing game still. He had three catches for 50 yards last week versus Washington. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Belichick likes to take away the team's number one threat. I uh, almost wonder if he's going to focus more on taking away Brandon Marshall this week and hopefully just uh, let Chris Ivory nickel and dime him.
2: Uh, Yeah, I would like to think they would maybe focus on getting Fitzpatrick out of the pocket, too. I think he's been sacked twice this year. I think I heard was the number. That's ridiculous. Get after that bearded fella. Um, Latavius Murray doesn't have over 60 rushing yards yet this year in the game. He has been a decent PPR option, so I feel like they could both produce similar lines. Um, But uh, with You know, with the emotion and stuff of the New England versus the Jets type of game, I know that the other game is a division game too. But you know, I feel like the Jets are smart and Todd Bowles is smart, and they'll make the right decision inside the twenty, and and I maybe see a couple one yard touchdown runs by Ivory. So I think I'll pick to scale Ivory there too. Um, Oh, this should be fun. Pick one wide receiver in the Thursday game: Seattle or San Francisco. I'm giving you. Choice of like six guys here. Can you pick one guy that's going to be the best performer tomorrow night
0: on Thursday? Do I have to? (laughs) I guess no. The (laughs) Seattle receivers, they're just too unpredictable, especially now that the team is finally feeding Jimmy Graham the ball. So I guess if I had to take one, I would take Anquan Bolden, especially in PPR leagues. Uh, You know, if you're in one of those leagues that uh, gives you a big bonus for longer touchdowns, then Torrey Smith might be worth a flyer. But in most leagues, I would go Anquan Bolden it's
2: hard because yeah there's the you know the obscurity of which Seattle player wide receiver is going to show up uh but there's also the uh the fact of San Fran has the better wide receivers but Seattle has the better secondary um so what does that leave us with really um Tyler, I want to say Tyler Lockett, but he's he's questionable so I'll I'll shade my love a little bit there so uh why don't I go with your guy Jermaine Kirsch? You talked about him as a depth charger last week, and this is you know this is a game. This is going to be a lot better game. I think a lot of people think you know they see they see the game they see the line. Oh yeah, Seattle Seattle wins this game. Even though it's at San Fran, Seattle wins this game. San Fran's been tough at home, and I feel like Seattle's going to have to throw the ball against the beat up secondary. So. Maybe one of those patented cursed 30-yard touchdowns is going to be be the difference, as opposed to maybe Bolden catching you know eight balls for for 30 yards or something like that. So just stats I'm throwing out there. Nothing doesn't mean anything. I'm just throwing out there because throwing darts. Um, ooh, Brandon Cooks at Indianapolis or Mike Wallace at Detroit. Probably didn't well, think I think it's Wall- going to be a decision you had to make early on, considering Cooks is valuable. What do you think? Nick?
0: Uh, I think Mike Wallace uh, looks like Minnesota's wide receiver two now, behind Stephon Diggs. And this isn't a big time passing offense to begin with. You know, Minnesota with Adrian Peterson is definitely a run first team. So I got to go with Brandon Cooks, especially with Colston hurting there in New Orleans. Uh, they, I think they're going to have no choice but to get Cooks involved in the game. Oh
2: yeah, I I don't want to just to disagree with you, just to disagree with you, but I think a patented Wallace long touchdown, like I said in the game before this, could could be could go a long way in this game, and I just haven't seen enough of Cooks to put to put faith in him. Willie Sneed's coming up, Uh, they still got Coleman. Geez, Ben Watson looked like an all pro last week as they fed him like twelve targets. Um, and I see Diggs, certainly see Dig digs on the rise, but Wallace Wallace is, has been the most consistent receiver on this Vikings team. So uh, I think I'll give the I'll give the edge to Wallace just to, due to consistency. So uh, let's get to our dynasty dilemma. That's the only thing I don't have a clip for now. I think. Oh wait, I have a clip for that. I'm like, are you kidding me, Nick? I got a clip for that. Um, I even have two clips. I have a short one if we're running long, or a long one if we're running. Short. (laughs) Let's play the long one. It's been a while. I know what you're thinking. I said just a couple of metal heads earlier. Uh, I do want to preface it with metal doesn't necessarily translate best into my uh, my editor for the show. The distortion becomes over distorted, and when I increase the volume, it just gets even worse. So that's why you hear a little bit of rap here and there. But that was Slayer mixed with a little public enemy. So uh, anyway, it's Dynasty Dilemma time, Nick. We got Blake Bortles versus Derek Carr. It was your turn to go first, so uh,
0: what do you got for us on Mr. Blake Bortles? Well, I admit that if I were an NFL head coach and I had to win this week, I would take David or Derek Carr. He's more polished, as he should be. You can go back to their college years. In 2012 and 2013, Bortles threw under 400 passes each of those seasons. Well, Carr at Fresno State, over 650 attempts in 2013 and over 500 attempts in 2012. So, yes, Carr is more ready to win now on the field. But from a fantasy perspective, I believe Bortles may be in a better situation. First of all, Bortles is six foot four, two 232 pounds. That's about 2 inches and 20 pounds bigger than Carr. And he's more athletic as well. He had 419 rushing yards last year, even though he wasn't really a runner in college. Also, Bortles has more talented, more talented players at the skilled positions to work with than Carr does. Other than Amari Cooper and maybe Latavius Murray, the cupboard is, cupboard is fairly bare in Oakland. I'll take Alan Hearns over Michael Crabtree, Julius Thomas over uh, Rivera and Walford, and the guy who was supposed to be Jacksonville's wide receiver, too, Marquise Lee, who had 400 yards as a rookie last year. He hasn't even played yet this season. Uh, Bortles also plays from behind more often than Carr does. Jacksonville's given up 176 points so far this season. That's second worst in the NFL. While in Oakland, Khalil Mack is pretty much like Lawrence Taylor and Derek Thomas, all rolled up into one linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I. I, I
3: God Amongst Men.
0: <laughs> uh, I know how much he ate That comparison But you know Oakland is, is stronger Defensively than Tank Uh Bortles has Over 40 attempts In half of his games This year Whereas Carr has only Hit that number once uh, Over the last two weeks 634 yards And seven touchdowns In BFW's October ranks Carr is ranked the 15 while Bortles is all The way down At number 27 So if you're looking To trade for one Of these guys You can likely get Bortles for a lot Cheaper Even though he has A great shot to put up Better fantasy numbers, Josh.
2: I think I'm going to use a lot of your points against you. But um, all right, Derek Carr. So we have the battle of two stigmas here. Bortles is a jag, and they're never supposed to be good. Well, Carr is a Raider, and we have ten to twelve years of, of the Raiders being well, quite simply a pushover. But uh, Oakland's finally gotten out of turmoil. The turmoil headed by the late Al Davis. Three. Three straight off-seasons of rational and conservative moves have landed them a franchise quarterback, and now a wide receiver one with uh, an epic future, yeah, epic yet viable future. Uh, Carr is a smart kid who has, has a never-satisfied approach to his craft, and I love that about him. The Raiders' O-line is hardly elite, but Carr has only been sacked an average of 1.47 times per game. Brother David... Wishes that protection wishes his protection was half that good during his time with the Texans. Uh, Bortles, on the other hand, has been sacked 3.6 times per game throughout his career. That's like almost twice as much. So he's certainly enduring a, a enduring more abuse. Um, and Bortles is also supposed to be the superior athlete, but Carr is Carr is an underrated athlete. His fr- footwork and anticipation skills are just beyond what anybody wants to give him credit for. He's not going to be the guy that goes out and rushes for 200 to 400 yards per season, but he realizes what his game is. Not to mention he also realizes the health of a franchise QB is paramount. Bortles has many young weapons around him. Wacar really just has Amari Cooper, an overrated Michael Crabtree, and an underwhelming rushing attack. It's easy to look at Bortles' 13 t- touchdown passes through six games, which ranks fifth in the league, and give him the fantasy edge. Despite the seven INTs, uh, despite the seven INTs, Carr, Carr, who is more careful, has eight TDs to three INTs in one less game. Now, the quarterback rating tells a bigger tale, but I believe it also breeds a higher ceiling. The floors, the floor for each are very similar, but the main difference is having and having one deep threat in Amari Cooper as opposed to having two in Alan Hearns and Alan Robinson. Uh, Bortles has a league-leading 44 attempts beyond 20 yards downfield with just 16 completions. Their car has 18, as many as Alex Smith, uh, and they both actually have six, only six completions. But to put that more in perspective, Andrew Luck has 24 such passes in four games, and Matt Hasselbeck has 12 in two games. So it's a little bit of, you know, trusting the veteran arm and maybe Carr trusting, you know, the the situation and not forcing the ball downfield. Obviously, you want your quarterback to be a little bit of a gunfighter, not a conservative. You don't want him to parallel Alex Smith, which we have in the case here. Um, but also... Under pressure, as I was talking about the sacks earlier, under pressure, Derek Carr is 20 for 37
1: with just four throwaways
2: and zero QB hits, while Bortles is 30 for 75 with 10 QB hits, or excuse me, 10 throwaways and three QB hits. Carr has three touchdowns in that same line, while Bortles only has two. So I just feel like Carr is basically the better decision maker. And basically, while it appears Bortles is piling on the stats right now, and I see where he's maybe the better option right now. This is a dynasty dilemma. And I think Carr will eventually overthrow him as he's just going to make better decisions throughout his career.
0: Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think you brought up a lot of good points, uh, but I'm just going to go back to the, you know, the. Um that Bortles came out of college a lot more raw. So, you know, obviously Carr should be a better decision maker because he has so much more experience throwing the ball. I think long-term Bortles actually has a higher ceiling.
2: And I, you know, these guys are like, you know, Carr's got like five wins as opposed to Bortles has four wins in the career. So these guys are two guys that certainly have an epic battle ahead of them. Um, and I, I think the interesting thing would be to flip these two guys around. Put I think Carr was. The, would you if we flip these two guys around and put Carr with those wide receivers? Wouldn't you be a little more excited about Carr than Bortles, Nick?
0: Probably yes. Yeah, like a lot of the reason I like Bortles is the situation, the receivers that he has to work with, yeah. and the not as good defense.
2: Um. Well, and. Uh, not, not to mention, Nick owns both of these guys with one team, so he's he's probably enjoying this more more than anybody else because he, he has both of them. So, uh, yeah, good point there. Uh, let's get to a little something that we like to call Nick rants. It's a uh, chance, something that we do every week. Sometimes I like to call it shots fired. Sometimes I like to call it uh, the somewhat sometimes controversial Nick rants. But I give my co-host a Florida rant about something that's bothering him something that's on his chest, so this is an opportunity for him to just vent, call it a counseling session, just call it a vent session, whatever you
0: want, but uh, it's time So, so stop me if you've heard this storyline before. An NFL team drafts a mobile quarterback with the number two overall pick to be the face in the future of the franchise. And during the course of his rookie season, the talented Heisman Trophy winner suffers a sprained knee, but the coaches allow the player to play through the injured knee. It happened in 2012 with Robert Griffin and it happened again this past Sunday with Marcus Mariota. We all know how the story ended with Griffin, so it completely blows my mind that the Titans are even considering playing Mariota anytime soon. I understand Marcus wanting to prove his toughness to his teammates and going back into the game last week, but Coach Wittenhunt should have realized he was too hobbled to effectively protect himself and him back after the first series. And now it's reported that Mariota has a grade 2 MCL spring, which typically has a 4-6 to a six week recovery time, but they really team is day to day uh, earlier this week. So what? You're going to risk a serious injury for what? Because Marcus at 50% gives you a better shot to win, and Zach Mettenberger at 100%. Well, let's face it, you're 1 and 4. You've lost to the Colts, the Browns, the Dolphins, and the Bills. What happens when you face teams like Atlanta, Carolina, the Jets, the Patriots? These guys are still on the <laughs> schedule. Uh, the the point is, your season is shot already. Don't risk this young man's and the team's future success. Forcing him onto the field, trying to win meaningless games in a lost season. Learn from the mistakes of others, Ken Wilson, lest you become like old man Shanahan, unemployed and rambling on about how you can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. Josh, <laughs> oh, good,
2: good points there. Um, the only I think argument I would have against it is, yes, you want Mariota to be the face of your franchise, but. I think Ken Wisenhunt also would like to be the coach of the Titans next year. So that's the battle I think that we have to look at as far as Wisenhunt might, you know, might might just want to save his butt. But it's not like they're going to Jimmy Clausen or Rex Grossman or Tony Banks. They're going to they're going to who <laughs> actually has somewhat of experience. So and I know I'm never going to get Tony Banks on the podcast. So I think they're going to somebody with experience. And I they're going to a, a guy that I know some of the offensive linemen like and trust. So I think they're going to be okay with that situation. And they should just be happy that they have two young quarterbacks on this team that maybe can feed off each other. And, yeah, don't play Mariota until he is healthy. That's That is the moral of the story. All right, we have a patient, Chuck Podyski, waiting on the line. Here's your opportunity to talk over the music again.
4: Fancy voice. Oh, I love this music. Uh, This is The Who, Eminent Front. It actually was a... uh, Oh, I've seen it in several commercials these days. I think it's for GM or something like that. Anyway, how you guys doing?
2: <laughs> uh doing great. Ready to make some ATS picks. I how did I forgot to check how we did last week there with our uh with our clean sweeps.
4: You know, I tuned in early just to listen to you guys a while and uh finally realize how full of it you guys really are. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no.
4: Actually, uh, Nick or uh, Nick, I, I loved his point about the uh, the, the running quarterbacks. There always be, seems to be so much promise with these guys, and just as everybody predicts, they get hurt. But the weird thing is that Mariota really wasn't trying to run the ball a lot. He really wasn't that scrambling quarterback. He was he was trying hard to be a, a, a pocket quarterback, right? Yeah. Yeah,
2: and somewhat people. Some people think it was kind of a kind of a a, a low blow, a, a dirty hit that ultimately led
0: to the injury. But uh,
4: I, I guess don't know. I've totally seen on that side. I, I've seen it a couple times, and I still don't know. It looked like he was just kind of falling down when that happened. But you know, how do you ever judge what's in a guy's mind when he goes after a quarterback?
3: True. Very
4: true. Okay. You know, uh, so, real quick, Josh. I want to. Uh, I, I I forgot to do it last week. I'll put in a plug for uh, Las Vegas Segway. If any of you guys are out there visiting Las Vegas and uh, you have a, a couple hours free, it would be fun to take a Segway tour around Las Vegas. And that's who who I work for. I do marketing, and I'm also a tour guide for Las Vegas Segway. So if you need a uh, uh, something to do for a few hours when you're in Vegas next time, just uh, Go ahead and Google Segway Las Vegas. We're on Facebook, and uh, if you want to, you can request me as your tour guide. So, And uh, these uh, Las Vegas Segway is always very, very generous and not booking me in anything during these hours of the day so I can do the program. So I feel like I owe them that much at least.
2: Yes, most definitely. I, uh, I look forward to ultimately trying to Segway someday with you as my guide.
4: That it's uh, it's it, you wouldn't believe how easy it is. We we have everybody up in, in like three minutes. They're riding the Segway, and it takes them maybe a half hour to get to be an expert on it. So, really, really is easy. And, and you know, this is Back to the Future Day when uh, <laughs>
1: when,
4: well, when you uh, Michael J. Fox uh, discovered the the hoverboards in 2015, right? <laughs> uh,
2: you wouldn't believe
4: my lack of grace, we'll put it that way. So
2: you have a challenge ahead
4: of you. If this actually, <laughs> yeah, I <happens>. will, <laughs> we'll do it. Okay. Listen, last All week, right. um, I was, uh, actually our sweeps went two and three. We, uh, lost on the Jaguars. We won on the jets. We lost on the Cardinals. Well, there weren't the Cardinals a disappointment last week. Um, we mm. won on the Dolphins. All three of us took the Dolphins, and uh, and the Dolphins may, you know, we'll see what happens this week. But the Dolphins may be a viable team from here on out. And uh, we lost on the Patriots. We won on the Dolphins. Lost on the Patriots, and then I think I think that was it, right? I did do five of them. Yeah,
2: and we had a we had a hook last week, right? On that Patriots game wasn't it seven and a half. Those
4: bastards. Patriots. Uh. Well, it actually. Oh my goodness! It was seven and a half. It went up to nine. Yeah, you know, I, the Patriots were one of my picks on my uh, on Chuck's choices this week, and uh-huh. and uh, so I got beat pretty easily on that one. And I didn't realize that we got beat by the hook in that Patriots game, right?
2: Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. We're well, it's, uh, that was a strange game. I thought, you know, with the, with the way the Patriots were thinking, and the, with the way that they, you know, want to just march through their entire schedule and, and leave no prisoners or take no prisoners. Uh, that there would be no backdoor cover, that was the the last thing I was worried about. I just expected Belichick and the Patriots to to pour it on through all throughout the game. But uh, sure enough, the Colts came back and got a backdoor cover in that game, and it's yeah. the way it goes.
2: Well, they didn't throw the ball to Rob Gronkowski enough. I'll tell you that much. But uh, yeah, that's always uh, the case. Yes, what uh, what do we think about Thursday night? This has been a hell of a game in the years past, but now both teams are sitting at two and four. In fact, I heard there's only one game this week, and it is the New England Jets game with featuring two teams with winning records. So we could have some brutal spreads here for you people. What do you that think about is, Seattle
4: at San Francisco? Uh, yeah, actually, brutal games. Uh, Seahawks are favored now. They started out at five and a half. They're now... Six and a half, and let me check the latest one on that for you, Josh, and I'll get that for you, yeah, it's still six and a half. The over under is forty two and a half Seattle is favored on the road, and uh, do we need to adjust our thinking on the Seahawks at all
2: uh i I think so. this is I was ready to take San Francisco plus five and a half as a as a as a also appealing home team dog, so you're getting me six and a half most def I'll take San Francisco all the way, Nick, what do you think?
0: I don't like it, but I'm going to go with Seattle. I think with Marshawn Lynch back that, and you know that defense, I think they can shut down Colin Kaepernick enough to win by a touchdown.
4: I think the Niners have some mojo going, and and and. This is this is a total turnaround for me. Be, think back to the beginning of the season. I had the Forty ers pegged as uh, one of my one one of the worst teams in the league. I didn't expect much out of them, just simply because of the coaching change and the, the guy none of us knew as head coach Tom Sula, who looks like uh, who looks kind of like Colin Quinn's uh, removed brother. Um, the Seahawks. Even though I hated the Seahawks, I had to respect the fact that they were one of the better teams, and it's, you know, one of those teams that's very tough to beat. Now, I think they're still a little bit of a public favorite. I I don't think, if if a team coming in here had the same statistics as the Seahawks, but didn't have the name of Seahawks, let's say, you know, whatever, let's say it was a team by a different name, uh, probably be about a... You know, maybe a two and a half point spread, something like that. Um, so I'm going to take the extra points here, and I'm going to take the Forty ers and the, and the six and a half, and just try to hang on for dear life. Uh, yeah, like I said earlier, 49ers, different team at home.
2: And if they're going to get up for one game this year, you know it's going to be Seattle at home. When they get, when they get, especially when they're not getting any love from the from the books at all.
4: Yeah, a lot of people forget this is a divisional game too, and they have always had just a hateful rivalry. So, um, you know, maybe a three-point game either way. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to London as we put
2: uh, Buffalo. It says at Jacksonville, but let's face it, it's
1: versus
4: Jacksonville. What do you think? The uh, the Bills are favored by five and a half points in this game, Josh. Wow!
2: Wow, that's a oh, I hate I hate these London games. Um, that seems like too many points. I I don't feel like Buffalo is is that good. Even though it is Jacksonville, I don't think I think Buffalo wins this game. But I think it's a I think it's a barn burner field goal game. What
1: do you think, Nick?
0: Um. Yeah, it's too many points. And you think you hate these games? Is this uh, game on at the same time as the last London game? Because that's three thirty in the morning out here. I can't stand <laughs> these games. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just too many points over the spread there. Blake Bortles is playing pretty good football, putting up a uh, putting up pretty good numbers there. So,
4: yeah, this is uh, this is a strange game. It's at six thirty a.m. my time, and. Unless you're in Buffalo or Jacksonville, it's not even on the T V so there's no reason to get up early and start watching football. I I don't know why they don't make this a national game for everybody to watch, uh, because they've got a captive audience. It's the only game on. Can't understand mm-hmm. that. Uh what I really don't understand is that uh is, uh, is the spread. I uh I hate to take the Bills and plan on them beating anybody by more than a field goal, but I think uh, they can do it with the Jaguars. I think uh, Rex will have them ready for the game, so this is just a hunch I'm going to take the Bills minus five and a half, although uh, since uh, Tyler Eifert is on a bye this week, I have to play Julius Thomas as my tight end, so we'll hope that he has a big game and and hope that he's healthy.
2: Well, and this the first London game was nationally televised. This one is live streaming on Yahoo, so maybe that's why it's not on TV. Yahoo has exclusive rights to this, to this uh, game of such wonderful teams.
4: <laughs> yeah, you know what I can say to that, Yahoo. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, New Orleans and Drew Brees going to Andrew Luck and company in Indianapolis. What do you got for us, Chuck?
4: This is an interesting game. The Saints at the Colts. Um, Colts are favored by four and a half points in this game, um, and, and, and it seems about right to me. But uh, so, which would which will probably make for some interesting picks here. So, go you go at it. All right. Uh... I
2: wasn't going to tell you to pick first, but I can go first. Oh, um,
4: well, I'll, well, I'll I, be glad to go first on this one. I, I, all right. I have it all figured it. out. I think, that, you know, I, I okay. still don't like <laughs> what's going on between Chuck Pagano and the front office, and especially after that botched, uh, whatever that play was, <laughs> try to try to catch New England with 12 men on the field play, because it wasn't designed for anything else. It wasn't designed as a football play. It was designed as trickery. and. When's the last time anybody tricked Coach Bill Belichick? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, that probably didn't sit too well with the front office. It's going to further the rift between uh, between the front office and Chuck Pagano. I look at the Saints as having a little momentum after last week's game and finding finding themselves. And maybe if they were going to an outdoor venue, I maybe wouldn't feel that way. But they're going to another uh, stadium indoors, so I am going to go ahead and take. My New Orleans Saints.
2: Um, yeah, I'm, I agree with you there. I just don't think. I I don't like that Colts defense. I just, I continue to bang on it, but until they make consistent plays or have a solid game, I just don't. Uh, I don't see how they're going to uh, to break that mold. So I'm I'll, I'll take I'll take New Orleans in the points. Loving me some underdogs this week. Nick, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I don't love it, but I'm going to go with you guys and take the, the Saints too, just because of how bad the Colts look. You know, they played a tough game against New England, and you know, because of some real dumb mistakes, they lost that one. I just think the yeah, they're they're kind of in shambles right now, so I'm going to go with the Saints. Okay,
2: um, Pittsburgh at KC. What do you what do you think there, Chuck? What do you got for a line?
4: Well, I have some bad news. I picked up uh, my sheet last week or last night, and there was no point spread on it. I'm sure it's because uh, because of Ben Roethlisberger's status. And uh, you know, usually I can look on uh, on the SportsMemo.com site where they have uh, where they have point spreads from one, two, three, four, five, uh, nine different spots, and a lot of them are off sports or off. Sports books in different areas of the world, and nobody has any kind of line, not even an over or over/under on this game. So, okay. I, uh, I assume well, we can got, pick it as a pick'em.
2: Okay. Well, I got. I'm looking at on CBS Sports line right now, which is not necessarily an authority by any means, but I got they got one and a half KC being a home team dog in this, and I. It does sound like it's going to be Landry Jones starting for quarterback there and uh in this game for pittsburgh so we'll uh we'll leave it at that and i guess we'll call it one and a
4: half yeah that's if good if we have a line from somewhere we we will have some reference points so let's, let's pick it as if the chiefs are one and a half point favorites then
2: i i like casey as a home dog but I, it's only one and a half points so i i would prefer to take pittsburgh pretty much up to uh PCB being a seven-point dog at home. So uh, I'll take Pittsburgh in this game. Chuck, why don't you go, go ahead?
4: Um, let's have Nick do it. I have one more thing to look up before I make my pick here. So, Nick, okay. go ahead. Sorry.
0: Uh, Yeah, essentially at only one and a half, I've got to go with the Steelers. Uh, Kansas City, without Jamal Charles, they they can't move the ball. Alex Smith, the whole reason he was successful was because of the threat that Jamal Charles provided there in the backfield. So
4: uh, I I have to go with the Steelers to win big on this one. Josh, did you take the Steelers there? I did. Okay. Uh, Sorry, I can't sweep this one. Um, You know, I keep... Uh, it may be good news for you guys. Uh, I keep picking against the Steelers, <laughs> and they keep surprising me, and I and I don't know where that's coming from. They uh, beat the Cardinals last week in in uh, in a game where Bruce Arians had every reason to just beat up on them. And uh, but now they're going. It's a different story. They're going to Kansas City now. Um, the Chiefs are kind of in desperation mode. The Broncos are running away with that division. Chiefs. Uh, the good thing about it is they're only game behind, you know, the the uh, the, the other two teams in this division. I just kind of look at it as a desperation game for the Chiefs. For the Steelers, if uh, if Landry Jones plays one more game, they're thinking, okay, one more game before we get Ben Roethlisberger back. I'm going to go ahead and take the Chiefs minus the one. It was the Chiefs favored by one and a half, right, Josh?
2: No, they're plus one
4: and a half. Oh, Steelers are favored by one and a half. Oh, well, that so makes we're it giving look you even po- better. We're giving you a point and a
2: half. Yeah,
4: I'm going to take the Chiefs uh, d- plus one and a half points.
2: Okay. you do bring up a good point about this is this could be uh, Landry Jones's first and only NFL start, and it's in Kansas City. That's not necessarily the first choice I would make if it was going to be my first NFL start. That's that's a solid point there. So, it's going to be a tough one. Um,
4: yeah, uh the Jets at New England. Well, the Patriots started out at nine and they're still at nine. Patriots favored by nine points over the uh over my New York Jets. <sighs>
2: uh, too many points. Division game. Dale Rebus knows this offense somewhat. Too many points. Nick, do you agree?
0: Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, nine. I think New England wins this game, but it's more of like a three to the six point win, not nine points. That's way too many.
4: <laughs> I laugh only because every time I think it's too many points for the Patriots, they they route somebody, and every time I think it's going to be a close game, they or every time I think uh, it's going to they're going to route somebody, then it's a close game, like in the the Colts last week. But I I, I gotta believe that the Jets. Uh, this is a division game. And the Jets are fighting for not only first place in the division, but they're fighting for a little bit of respect. And what better way to get respect than to uh, than to you know than to beat the uh, the team that perennially, perennially perennially wins the division? So uh, I'll look for some way for the Jets to keep it close. I just picked up Chris Ivory on my fantasy team, so uh, we'll hope the Jets can get their ground game going and, and hope they grind out a uh, point spread victory here.
2: Okay. Um, Atlanta at Tennessee.
4: Falcons are favored by four team, and a
2: half.
4: Yeah, oh, good. Yeah, that's right. Falcons are favored by four and a half in this game. Now, there wasn't a lot of uh, – this is another one, but they weren't sure of the lines. We don't have anything here in Las Vegas right now. closest thing I could find was a, uh, was a company called uh, – continental gaming i believe it is continental technology they do lines on games and things like that and uh they had four and a half so i'm going to go with that one cg technology
2: i'm surprised it's not more than that so i'll test and i maybe you know it's a week-to-week thing and they saw the falcons struggle but i don't think you're going to see much of a a falcon struggle this week i think uh it's not like they're going to a cold weather city. It's not like they're, you know, in unfamiliar territory, granted they don't play at Tennessee every every year, but I, I think they're gonna get back on the back on track after getting getting somewhat embarrassed on national T V. So I'll, I'll take the Falcons. What you said, four and a half? Yeah, I'll take that. Four and a half. Mine And that's my first uh, favorite of the week. Nick, what do you got?
0: Yeah, you look at last week and the Falcons you know, they had the ten point loss at home to New Orleans. But that was a division game. Sometimes those division games can be kinda of tricky. So I think they get it back on track this week against Tennessee, especially with no Mariota playing. I gotta go with the Falcons.
4: Well, I am going to take the Titans here. Um I think Mettenberger is uh is going to be okay. You know, when I, I was listening to something, as far as uh, well, how, you know how the uh, how the expectations were going to change if Mettenberger is in. I remember he he did pretty well last year, and uh, that even led the Titans to a couple attempts to try to trade their number one pick because they thought they had somebody special in Zach Mettenberger at the end of the year last year. Uh, he's a good quarterback. Uh, one thing that you that I will look at is this is going to be the first game that the uh, the Falcons are going to play on natural turf. I believe Tennessee is a natural turf stadium. Um, I just, the Falcons looked bad last week, and now everybody expects them to just come back and be the team that they were. If that were the case, I would expect the line to be about eight and a half or something like that. This just, it smells like a trap to me. And I'm going to take the uh, the Tennessee Titans plus the uh, four and a half points here.
2: Okay, um, Houston at Miami.
4: Texans and Dolphins. Dolphins are uh, favored by four now. It started out at four and a half. It's been down, uh, down to four. I was really hoping for three and a half, but uh,
2: I'll take Miami minus the four. Um, I just have no confidence in Houston. I mean, obviously you're going to play DeAndre Hopkins, but if you're... Waiting for some other fan, waiting for some other positive or some other consistent certainty to come out of that team. Good luck, Miami minus four. Nick, what do you think?
0: I think Miami uh, won last week based off of the motion. They got the new uh, interim head coach there, Dan Campbell. But I think they kind of they might win this, but I think it's by more of like a three, two or three point win. I don't see them winning by four, so I'm going to have to book Houston cover.
4: I'm going to look for the Dolphins to uh to keep their momentum. I like what I saw last week, you know, and and I raised the question this week that uh as far as fantasy goes, maybe you might want to start looking at uh at some Dolphins to put on your team because if they're going to become viable for the rest of the season, uh things are going to turn around for the Dolphins and uh the, one of the things, I mean, what about like Devontae Parker? He was available in my league. Is that that was I'm getting the right Devontae right there, right? Yeah. Yep. Another thing I wanted to talk about, I think there's way too many Devontes in this league. Um, I think that the uh, uh, the Texans, you know, the only thing that ever scared me was their defense, and where has their defense been? I, I don't. They, they aren't this awesome defensive team. Uh, nobody's really afraid of – or they aren't this awesome defensive team, and nobody's afraid of their offense, really, except for uh, their uh, – uh Hopkins. Is it Hopkins? Bernard? Yep. Okay. Hopkins. okay. Sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment and trying to make a point you forget that I, I get him mixed up with Watkins, Sammy Watkins and DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> um but I College think the Dolphins are gonna Yeah, I think the Dolphins are going to win this one of, let's say ten points, but uh, nonetheless I'll take the Dolphins. Okay.
2: Um no, Nick gets to go
4: first. Tampa at Washington. What do you got for us on the line though, Chuck? Redskins by three. Started out with the hook at three and a half and now it's down to three, so a great opportunity for a push here.
0: Oh, uh, well, I you know what? I know the Redskins was really bad last week against the Jets, but I think they they right the ship this week against a uh, not very good Tampa Bay team. Uh, they may not win another game all season after that, but I think they can win this week.
2: And it was uh, three points right there, Chuck? Three even. Okay, I'll take Washington. I just I, – I like what this team does defensively, and I, I – Especially against a rookie quarterback, I think that that certainly gives them an, an advantage. Where I don't love their D line, I love the rest of this team. You know, we got Breland that can take out Mike Evans. You got uh, Trent Robertson that can control the middle if you get past those linebackers there in Washington. So I'll take Washington minus the three. Feel pretty good about it too. What do you think, Chuck?
4: I think Washington is in this mode where any time they have a game that they think they can win they'd better win it. Uh they play the Buccaneers now but then they have the uh the Patriots and the Saints and the Panthers, you know, maybe the Saints, but they've got some tough games coming up and they've got to win anywhere they anywhere they can. And I don't think that Washington is as bad a team as everybody thinks they are. Um the Buccaneers are so inconsistent that there's always the possibility they can, you know, jump up and and beat somebody on any given Sunday, but I think the Redskins, you know, especially now that it's down to three, I I, I feel pretty confident in the Redskins this week.
2: Is that okay, a sweep? Another, it is. It's another sweep. Um, Nick, any any predictions on what the line will be for Washington, New England?
0: Um who's going to be the quarterback. If it's still Kirk Cousins, then it's probably going to be a pretty ugly line. Uh, Colt McCoy, I think, <laughs> makes the line go down by a little bit, but who knows.
3: Okay.
0: Um,
3: what do
2: we got here? Next? Sorry,
4: Minnesota at Detroit. What do you got for us, Chuck? vikings are favored by two and a half that's pretty much held steady all the way uh through this week two and a half points uh favored on the road at detroit
2: wow getting a home team dog came off a a big emotional first win of the season last week against a division rival um i i think minnesota takes this game i think they got some good things going right now and um yeah, Detroit's obviously just had been disappointed. It was two or two and a half?
4: Two and a half. Okay, two and a half, Minnesota minus two and a half, I'll take it. Uh, Chuck, why don't you go first? <laughs> you know, I, I, I this is just a game that I'm just totally awash in, uh, It's a divisional game, and for that reason, I'm taking the Lions. I think they'll uh, they'll eke one out. I'm going to look for them to build on the momentum that they had last week, even though they didn't look the greatest. Um, I still, I'm going to take the Lions to continue their run, (laughs) if 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 that's a word for it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'll take Detroit.
0: All right, Nick, what do you think? Uh, I have to go with Minnesota to win this by a field goal. Uh, two and a half points, that's all. I have to give up Yeah, definitely. Uh you look at the, uh, the Vikings, they've only given up 83 points this season, whereas uh, the Lions' defenses has surrendered 172 points. So I, I have to go with Wow.
2: See what happens when you give Nick a little extra time to pick. He drops drops some stats on it. I love
4: it. Yeah, good one,
2: uh, Nick. Cleveland at St. Saint- Lewis? I mean, if Todd
4: Gurley wasn't playing, do we really even care about this game? Uh, what do you got for us, Rams by five and a half. Wow. Yeah, Josh, Towns- honest, honestly, Go I've ahead. never seen any more five and a half, four and a half uh, spreads. <laughs> but, you know, Four, four and a half, five, five and a half point spreads as I have this week. Those are just such tough numbers to handicap.
2: And not to mention, the biggest line is in the game where the teams are both winning records. I mean, what's that about? <laughs>
4: right, right, oh,
2: yes. Wow. Oh, just awkward. But uh, uh, wow. Um, I'll go Cleveland. Why not? Just because St. Louis, where they have gusto, and they, they, they. Proven that they can play be the comeback kids, and they've proven to be decent in the second half and get some games. They're not a team that's going to blow anybody away. So, you know, unless unless Gurley busts two eighty-yard touchdown runs early in this game, um, and I don't own him in fantasy, but that's always a possibility with him. Uh, I I feel like even if that is the case, if they're up fourteen nothing, they're not gonna they're not they don't have the capabilities to bury an opponent. So I feel like they play. They get a lead. I feel like they play uh, they play defense in this game as opposed to pouring it on. So I'll take Cleveland plus the five and a half. Nick, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm with you. It's just too many points. This game feels more like a last second field goal to win it type game. So five and a half points. I, I would have to go with the underdog, Cleveland.
4: Well, you, you heard me talk earlier in the season about the fact that Jeff Fisher gets his team up for the divisional games and not for the other games. Well, uh, St. Louis's two wins have been against divisional opponents, Seattle and Arizona, and their losses have been to the Redskins, the Steelers, and the Packers. That being said, they laid such an egg last week that I'm looking for a good effort uh, from Fisher this week. I don't know why. I, uh, the uh, the Browns played a tough defensive team last week, and now they're playing another tough defensive team this week, um, and then they're on the road. Uh, on artificial turf indoors, I am going to take the Rams this week on nothing but a nothing but a feeling. It's one of those where you have no real tangible reason to pick a team. You just feel like they're going to win, and uh, I'm going to take the Rams just uh, on my psychic ability this week.
2: All right,
4: Oakland at San Diego. San Diego favored by four. It was uh, it was four and a half. Yesterday, it's now down to four points.
2: Okay, well, we always like to play that division game, field goal game, pontification of pros. So I'll, I'll take Oakland minus the four, or excuse me, plus the four. I love it. This is, this is going to be a good game. I don't think the Raiders win, but I think it's going to be a good game. So, Nick, what do you think?
0: Uh, I think this is one of the most intriguing games of the week, which how long has it been since the Raiders have been involved in such a big game, but uh, uh I definitely think the Raiders can cover the spread. I mean you look at the Chargers and Phillip Rivers last week, sixty five attempts, five hundred three yards with his arm falling off yet. I I I think that Oakland uh at least keeps this one within a field goal.
4: The thing I really didn't like about the Chargers last week was they had a golden opportunity. They had three yards to go, the Chargers, uh, to, to tie that game against the Packers, and they did not get it done. Um, that shows me that, you know, the team that that they aren't in a close game, uh, the Chargers aren't going to do it. Uh, I've got to feeling about the Raiders. Um I I like the way they're playing this year. I think they're a team on the rise, although every time we count the Chargers out and they have a home game, they usually win it. But it's a divisional game, so you know, I'll take three points either way, so this time I'm getting it with the Chargers and I'll take it. All I'm getting it with the Raiders, excuse me. I'll take the Charg right. I'll take the Raiders. Yeah.
2: Okay. Dallas at New York. Oh we somehow, swapped that one I believe, practice- didn't we? Yes. Somehow this isn't a prime-time game, Um, but uh, what do you got for
4: us? We're looking at the uh, Giants by three-and-a-half points here. Okay. Nick, what do you think?
0: Um, You know, I'm going to go with theory on uh, when a backup quarterback gets in there, which I think Castle's going to be starting this week. Uh, The team tends to win the first game within the quarterback, so I will go with Dallas in this one, just based on Chuck's theory. (laughs)
4: <laughs> Throwing that back in my face, huh, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> well, it
0: to be true more often than not. Yeah,
4: I know. You're right. And and uh, that's one of those things that I did not consider. In the, well, I considered it. I just think I, I Tom Coughlin usually comes back from a stinker pretty well. And I think the Giants are going to come back from that uh that horrid game, I mean, uh, uh, the, that Monday night game, it was just, I was watching with a couple friends at a sports bar and we were totally oh. disinterested in it. I, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> I, I don't know what it was, but I just I, I just hated the game. Um, I'm going to take the Giants to bounce back and uh, I, I'm going to take, uh, take Tom Coughlin and company here.
2: Like I said earlier, I am worried about... Uh... Eli facing Hardy and Lawrence and Randy Gregory, but uh, I, think the, I think the Giants will bounce back there too. So, um, uh, yeah, I think it would be a different story if this game was in Dallas, obviously, but I I, I feel like the Giants fail to put two consistent weeks ahead, so maybe they won't be that bad two weeks in a row as opposed to being that good two weeks in a row since they can't seem to do that either. <laughs> So I'll take the Giants minus the three-and-a-half,
4: but I don't love one, it. One thing we need to look at here is I think this is the first uh, the first rematch game of the year. The uh, Giants lost a real heartbreaker in Dallas to the Cowboys in that uh, that first one, where the Cowboys came back down 10, I believe, in the fourth quarter.
3: Yeah. Um,
4: so there, there's a little bit of revenge in mind for the Giants here, too.
2: Yeah, yep. You know those you know those crazy giant fans won't forget that, that's for sure. Um Philly at Carolina. What do you got for us, Chuck? Panthers by three. Um, yeah, Carolina's just got too much right now. I was hoping you'd say two and a half, but I I feel pretty comfortable taking Carolina minus three. Um, you know, Philly won that game, but it wasn't because their offense outperformed anybody. Although Murray had a decent game, but uh, if, if Carolina, Carolina and Keegley and Thomas Davis and company take out uh, that as a factor there for this offense, um, you know, you know Bradford can throw a couple picks to to uh, make it look even worse. So I'll take I'll take Carolina minus the three. What do you think, Nick?
0: Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised it's only a three-point game with uh, Carolina being undefeated and playing at home. But uh, Cam Newton this year has really put this team on his back, and he's playing great football. With having I mean, Ted Ginn is his top receiver, and he's still able to be five and zero. Oh. That's pretty incredible. So I'm, I'm going to go with Carolina.
4: The Carolina Panthers have uh, have really turned me around in in my thinking of them. I uh, it seemed like all season I've been planning on them to lose to somebody. And, uh, you know, granted, even up until last week, they, they beat the Jaguars, they beat the Texans, they beat the Saints, they beat the Buccaneers, you know, big deal. But uh, then they go up to Seattle and take on the Seahawks, and that is very impressive to go up there, not not so much to to beat the Seahawks, but to beat the Seahawks on their own field. Um, I, I think of, uh, I, for one, have to adjust my thinking on the on the Panthers. They they just seem to find a way to get it done. And Josh, you're right. The the Eagles, de- even though they they won the game easily last week, did not impress me at all. And if Sam Bradford ever thought that he uh, ever thought that he got a lot of pressure, he's gonna he's gonna get more of it this week. So uh, I, I'm gonna I'm with you guys. I'm gonna take the Panthers and sweep it. Okay. Uh,
2: final game, Monday night, Baltimore at Arizona.
4: We'll see the Cardinals as a little over a touchdown favorite, seven and a half points. That hook will get you every time, Josh.
2: I know. It'll hook you. Um <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Ah, jeez. What is Baltimore's strength right now? Steve Smith's playing good, even though he's hurt. They can't get after Carson Palmer. Um, you know, I I suppose set could have a good game, but that's only if Baltimore has a lead. Oh, I hate it, but I'm taking Arizona minus a 7.5. I think there's too many weapons in this Arizona team, and this Ravens defense... Losing Terrell Suggs was, was huge. CJ Mosley hasn't um, made up for that. I know he's not a sack man, but he certainly shouldn't, you know, he should be getting 10 to 12 tackles per game and he's just not, not enough right now for this Baltimore defense. So we like to think the NFL is predictable and this is easy to say, but, uh, so obviously Baltimore could shock me, but, uh, I'll, I'll take Arizona, minus the
0: 7.5. Nick, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I have no problem laying the 7.5 points here. Uh, if you look at Baltimore, you're 1-5, and five, giving up 162 points this year. That's second worst in the AFC, whereas the Arizona Cardinals are the only team in the NFL to score over 200 points already this year. So I have to go with Arizona to win this one, baby.
4: Still trying to figure out how Pittsburgh beat Arizona last week. <laughs> Arizona out yards them 469 to 310, out first down them 21 to 14. Um, That's crazy. Well, three turnovers for Arizona, I guess, made the difference. Bruce Arians is a guy that. when when their team plays badly, he doesn't let them do it twice in a row. Um, what's the only way the Ravens could possibly beat the Cardinals? That would be on defense, and we know that the Ravens aren't as good on defense as they have been all year. And, and granted, all of that is uh, is built into the uh, seven and a half point line that the Cardinals have. But I just I I don't have any respect for the Ravens this year. Uh, it's a Monday night game, but look at they have had to they had to travel out to San Francisco last week, right? And now they have to go back to Arizona this week. And I don't know if you know, did they stay out? Did they just stay out west this week, or have you heard anything about that? Uh,
2: I don't know, but I do know that they have only had one home game so far. So not only did they travel cross country last week, they've been traveling almost every week this week.
4: Got to take its toll. I mean, you know, the only reason I would take the Ravens is because everything looks too good on the Cardinals side. But I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not smart enough to do that. So I'm going to take the Cardinals minus seven and a half. I think they come back really strong this week. They eliminate the turnovers. Bruce Arians will have them. Uh, we'll have a. We'll have a good game plan, and the and the Cardinals should win by ten.
2: Okay. It was Landry Jones. That's how they beat them. Future. Future All-Pro franchise quarterback of the Steelers after
4: Roethlisberger,
2: Landry <laughs> Jones. Uh,
4: well, see that you know you know Nick was talking about that first quarterback, but that you know that kind of works within games also. Even though you can never predict it, uh, they 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 planned all week for Michael Vick and then a guy comes in who can, you know, stand in the pocket and throw the ball, and you've got to make in-game adjustments, uh, and sometimes it gets you. You've got a different style of quarterback, and sometimes that hurts, especially if you're on the road. So, um, you know, kudos to the Steelers. They're hanging in there and doing a great job. But, uh, you know, look for the Cardinals. They they know who they're up against this week, and, and they should have a good game plan.
2: Okay, so to recap, we have clean sweeps on the Jets, plus 9, Washington, minus 3, Raiders, plus 4, Panthers, minus 3, and Arizona, minus 7.5. Did
4: I get them all? We've agreed on six of them this week. I got five. Jets, Jets, Redskins, Saints, Raiders, Panthers, Cardinals.
2: Did we we all pick the
4: uh well I know I did did you you guys both picked them didn't you
2: uh, I did too Nick did you take I, the Saints
4: y- Yes I did Okay
2: Okay so we
4: got Yay six of So there's, to hit there's six games week. you may want <laughs> there's six games you may want to go against uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> And hey if we're five hundred so so are you um, That's right That's all we have. Have for you this week. So it was Saints uh, minus four and a half in that one there. So uh,
1: that's all we have for you.
2: Plus four and a half. You're right. Thanks. What would we do without you? All right. Saints plus four and a half. So Jets plus nine. Saints plus four and a half. Redskins minus three. Oakland plus four. there's minus three. Arizona minus seven and a half. Oh, six of them this week. I like it. That's that's all we have for you this week on the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Uh, Chuck, as always, thank you for joining us. Big uh,
4: thanks, you guys. Big have a great out. weekend.
2: Yep. You too, bud. Big shout out to Jay Lyston for helping us out earlier and giving us his his IDP sleepers. So always good to have a fellow DFW guy and and an IDP or help us spread some knowledge here on the podcast. So, uh, like I said, next week Scott Gimple from uh, FantasyData dot com you've never been there, just go there, watch the video, maybe even try that free trial. But we'll hear more about that next week from uh, Scott. So uh, hope you have a good week. Any closing thoughts there, Nick?
0: Uh, just uh, good luck to everybody in week seven. Okay. Like I
2: said, this has been the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Uh, have a good weekend, and we will talk to you next week. Take care, Nick.
0: You too. Thanks for listening to the
1: Dynasty Bulls podcast with Stacy Hill, Mr. Wagner, and Joshua Johnson Johnson. Hi, people.